Your look at the world of terrifying, horrifying, and edifying entertainment from this world and beyond. This is a part of the Cult Following Network as we take a look into the world of horror films, horror culture, from pop collectibles to film. Let us discuss what terrifies you. My name is Victor Moreno. I program Terror Tuesday every month at the Alamo Draft House, and I'm one of those people who bring you cult classics every now and again, along with my cohort in cruelty, Kirby Nelson. <laughs> Guys, I just winged that intro. I made that up from scratch. Yes, he yes he did. <laughs> so, uh, Horror Cult is going to be another one of the lovely spinoffs on the Cult Following Network. You know, cult following happens at least, you know, once every quarter or so, you know, that we're trying for sooner. But we also have you and Spew Network on the network and lots of reviews up on cultfollowing.co. And you can always check us out at live events. Uh, you know, we've got Chopping Mall coming up this Tuesday, the 18th over at Alamo Draft House Tempe. We've got Killing Spree for Video Vortex on the 24th. And hey... Uh, we're working with our friends over at the Crescent Ballroom on August 21st, and we're helping present Tim Capello from the Lost yes. Boys doing a concert. It's the Lost Boys 80s dance night with some synthwave. You know, I still believe. I still believe. He'll be doing some synthwaves. If you like that track he did with Gunship, I'm sure he'll be doing that. And we're going to be at Mad Monster Party in two yeah. weeks. June 28th, we got a big-ass booth. Stop by and say hi. I'm sure we got some giveaways, some cool stuff going on. So, yeah, that's all the, you know, little events we've got coming up. But, you know, check out cultfalling.co and cultclassicsaz.com until we see what we got going on. Yep. And I am, uh, I have been welcomed into the Mad Monster Party fold, so you will actually see me behind the scenes as well there. So, oh, seriously, what yeah. are you going to be doing there? Uh... I think it, the, the job description said running shit. Running um, shit. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. Uh, uh, putting out fires and. So stuff. are you actually working there? It's not like a volunteer. Yeah, deal? no. This is going to be uh, that's it's going to be a tentative run here. Um, uh, Evan and I've been friends for a long time, and he kind of asked me to come aboard and give it a shot here. So that's uh, so we'll see what happens. But I'm really really excited about the opportunity. Mad Monster is by far my favorite horror convention. Uh, no. Uh, no preliminary ball washing there necessary. <laughs> I I really do think it is the uh, ultimate convention for the fans, and I'm really really excited to be a part of it. So um, I've been doing obviously a lot of promotional work right now and helping out with some other um, elements. But I'm I'm really excited to be able to be more in depth with uh, that. I've uh, kind of always been a behind the scenes guy. Uh, when I was in the music scene, I did uh, you know more like booking bands and journalism and stuff. Now I'm doing. You know, more out in the front with my bands and stuff, but it's uh, I always enjoy the the producing life was actually always something I uh, I kind of fit feel, well into. I kind of feel like that's pretty much all of us. I mean, like, yeah, you definitely. Know, that's like pretty much a cult classic. So it's like, hey, we love horror movies. Let's find some way of doing that our way, or even these podcasts, you know. But yeah, it, it's no secret here, folks, that we're all about Mad Monster Way Over Phoenix, whatever it's called this year. 
I don't even know. Well, I think it's just that, I mean, that's another big thing is, is that it's keeping, uh, horror central in Phoenix. That, uh, yeah, exactly. you know, we really, we've, anyone who's been around, I and mean, Victor and I both moved here about the same time, and the, uh, a lot of stuff has come and gone over the years for good reasons. Some of it not too bad, but a lot of it has just, uh, really faded out. And I think the last five years of my monster prove why it's, uh, been an institution oh, yeah. so no it's it's, it's yeah. easily the best convention going uh in in phoenix metro phoenix by far i look forward to it every year the people in, involved in it are awesome that and it's they just, are you know and it's just a nice vibe you know it's it's like from a vendor point of view it's cool from a guest point of view i there's no other show i do photo ops by buy photo ops for the celebrities are always super cool to hang out with it's just a nice vibe you yeah. know that's going to be June 28th through the 30th. We have our 13, 13 ghosts or guests. I know. And on your nomenclature. Yeah, there's some really good ones like Elvira is going to mm-hmm. be there. Matthew Lillard, who's never been here before. Doug Jones. Doug very Jones. first appearance that's, here. That's gonna, I, I'm totally going to get uh, my Shape of Water um, anatomy poster. Yes, from definitely. Fox, uh, Fox Searchlight a couple of years ago signed. Um, and they got uh, the first appearance of La Llorona. That's one of the yeah, things Marisol I like. Ramirez. Mar- yeah, every year they kind of get like somebody from a new horror movie that's mm-hmm. never. Last year it was Art the Clown from Terrifier. Yep, David Howard Thornton. And yeah. Then, uh, yeah, I mean it's a nice rounded out of like kind of who's who VIP. Tom Atkins, Kane Hodder, Adrian Barbeau, uh, Ray Wise, um, also doing his first appearance I'm aware about here. Um, always, of course, the institution, Sid Hag, mm-hmm. um, and then Robert Patrick, uh, Miko Hughes. Uh, yeah, two, two, uh, childhood titans. We've got right. Danny Lloyd from The Shining and Miko Hughes from, uh, Pet Cemetery. So that's a really, really solid lineup. All right. Well, that's, that's a good segue into something I kind of wanted to touch on. Oh, for sure, a man. Uh, did you see the trailer for Dr. Sleep? I have not watched it yet. Oh. I it's because I want to watch it uninterrupted, and I have such a problem now because, like, as soon as it flips on YouTube or something, like I'm in the middle of work. I'm at I'm at the yeah. office, and like I just haven't had a chance to sit down and watch it yet. But you go right ahead because I mean it's it's you feel free. Cause... So I I you know it came on yesterday and we like posted it on the website and like a massive spike in traffic clearly. Uh, I was, you know, and we're part of, we're, we're in kind of like, I feel like we're on the downturn of that big Stephen King renaissance that started with like Stranger Things, you know, cause for a while it was like, well, they just announced the long walk too, oh, which oh, is yeah. pretty no, crazy. But you know what I'm saying? Like true, right around true. then it was yeah. like Dark Tower. It, I mean, it too is going to be huge, but it was like, I feel like Pet Cemetery was kind of like, you know, it's like, and then I don't, I don't think Castle Rock ending the way it did really helped any. So, but I still haven't caught up, but for me, it's like obviously the buzz was not what they were hoping for, yeah, because that went that diminished very, very quickly. Because I remember everyone was talking about it, and then all of a sudden, I didn't hear anything. It, it, it's kept setting up things and setting up things, and by the time you were like two episodes left, it's like, oh, nothing here is really gonna get. Well, then people, every time I saw online, it was like an Easter egg hunt. That's yeah, all it's that, people seem to care about. Yeah, that's pretty much what the show sort of became. There, there were like, there's two really good episodes. But I mean, they were like with Sissy Spacek, you know, and it's like, you know, Sissy Spacek is going to act, act, you know, amazing if you mm-hmm. give her the showcase. So. True, true. But, uh, no, so the trailer, uh, you know, for Dr. Sleep, it's kind of like Loki, Mike Flanagan, who like, you know, again... He directed a kick-ass adaptation of Gerald's Game, which is 
a book I never even felt the need to read, you know? King's early 90s work yeah. has had some... I mean, I, I think when Dolores Claiborne is probably yeah. like your standout, because, yeah, a lot of the other ones yeah. just didn't really work as much as they'd hoped. You know, and, and Flanagan, I think, is really good at, like, getting juice out of something that do- doesn't feel like it would, like The Haunting of Hill House, you know? True. You know, again, I was like, it's Shirley Jackson book? Really? But see, like, Haunting of Hill House, there's the energy you're talking about that Castle Rock was supposed to yeah, have. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the, the trailer starts kind of, like, on the down low. And then, like, I literally about, you know, ten seconds in, there's a shot recreated exactly from the shining mm-hmm. and it, you keep seeing shots of this and it's like oh this kind of you know it has like the true not which are basically these like uh people who become immortal by feeding off of the shining of innocence mm-hmm. you know which i don't think a lot of people really know that it's going to be kind of interesting but it's like hardcore like this is a sequel to the shining you yeah. guys and then like at the end of the thing it's like it's a blank screen, and a, each of the letters of the title comes on. It's a tone from, like, the Shining thing. Mm-hmm. Like, donk, donk. I was like, whoa. And I guess... With I, the red rum yeah, backwards. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a really good trailer. And I guess, like, I was reading this morning that, I guess, uh, you know, Flanagan had to sign off with King and Kubrick's estate to get this made. And apparently, mm-hmm. both of them were, like, all about it. Like, this is an awesome movie, so I'm... I'm cautiously optimistic to check it out, you know? Well, you get co-signage. I mean, you know, one from the master, one from the estate of another master. But it's, you know, I think uh, the other part, too, I was going to say is is that I, uh, my buddy Troy, our buddy Troy, yeah. is always, he's real reticent to watch trailers because not only they give so much away. Yeah, and I'm the same way because I, like, you yeah. know, usually, like, you know, have to review these movies no less of an impression I get. But does I don't think this really did which is good which i we were just discussing a little bit before we got started here about uh some upcoming screenings and one of them was midsummer which is probably my most anticipated movie of 2019 i haven't watched the trailer yet not the 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 teaser not the more full trailer it just came Mm -hmm. out um i didn't i never watched any of the ones for hereditary either yeah um and that was my favorite film of 2018 and i i don't know it's just i want to have as many surprises as possible i think that's a good way to do it i mean um i never got around to watching us when it was in theaters uh ruby didn't want to watch it and i was always busy Hmm. so it's coming out on blu-ray next week so i got a chance to watch it because we're going to be giving away like a digital code for it or something Mm -hmm. and uh dude i really didn't like it well, that's uh, I was surprised. I yeah, because I love doppelganger horror movies like Body Snatchers. I, I love Get Out, and like I was like, "What, really? This, this is us." I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I thought Lupita Nyong'o did yeah. like an awesome job. She, she did was, perfect. She was great in it, and so were the kids. But I, I like. I'd I, say that that voice is one of the most unsettling things I've heard in a film in a while. I really enjoyed it personally, just because it was one of the only things to me in the movie that was totally unexpected. Yeah. Because it's not in the tra- again going back to yeah. the trailer concept. It's not in the trailer, so when you hear it for the first time, you don't know exactly what the backstory is. Yeah. Which seems to be most people's issues. Uh, Cult Falling's own Joshua T. Ruth did a. A very extensive uh, study of this one. Yeah, a few months which I back. didn't read, and now I have to check it out. Yeah, he did. He his his uh, most people's and his and mine, and you know, I'm not saying it's like a whole conglomerate, but I think a lot of people was just that 
Peel's ability to world build, he has a talent, but yeah. he's got the M. Night Shyamalan disease where he's starting to, it's like, you get where he's trying to build the framework, yeah. but there's just too many plot holes to make no, it my, my work whole, for me personally. My whole thing was like, I thought it, this movie over-explained shit way too much. Like, I thought it was obvious at least halfway through that she wasn't the original Adelaide. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I don't understand how you could not figure that out from clues. It's it's really obvious. And then they have to literally give us the whole reasoning for it twice. And yeah. I just don't like being pandered to that way. Well, I guess that's what I'm saying is that the uh, where I was getting at is that it it is pandering. It is... um coddling and stuff like that but it just was one of those things where it's like okay um this movie would have timed nicely at about 90 to 100 minutes yeah it's but you too just long. felt you had to keep going to add not even just another explanation but just so much excess like well i that entire scene where they go to the other side of the lake to uh talk to tim heidecker to try to get to tim heidecker and elizabeth moss's characters I liked those kills, mind you, mm-hmm. and I liked the one character that you know the Elizabeth Moss character like got was you know all about plastic surgery. Yeah, so her double kept mutilating her face, you know, because they're off yeah. slightly. I thought that was cool. I thought like uh, like a more judicious director would have like cut out most of that sequence, though, you know, or the fact that like they had twin daughters. I thought was going to be more of a thing. Yeah, and, and not really at all. You know? Well, it's just, it's one of those things, obviously. I guess I'm nitpicking. I no, suppose. but, well, we're on a podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. what it's what it's meant for. But I think it's just one of those things. No, I mean, the, the film has its its strengths, and it definitely has its, it's not even just weaknesses. It's just its area of improvement. The yeah. biggest thing is, is I didn't walk out. I think people are going, well, you're comparing it too much to Get Out. And I said, no, because to me, they're very similar. It's like yeah, you're they saying are. Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Stepford Wives. You know, he takes a lot of the 70s horror tropes and puts them into through his own lens of commentary and mm-hmm. his own uh, style. But the problem with this one was it's just your um, I, I, I think it's just there's the one of the ones I always love that Jordan Peterson says in interviews or Jordan Peele. Sorry, yeah. is they says stuff like um. You know, people thought Get Out was too funny. And it's like, well, you put great comedic moments in your movies. Yeah. Um, and he's... he's I think he's, comedy he's and horror actually go Hand in hand. Well. Yeah. And that's why so many people, like, I think people didn't think... Uh, what's his name? Uh, um, Danny uh, Eastbound Down. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Danny McBride. Bride wasn't going to... He was going to hamper the Halloween uh, yeah. 2018. And it's like... No, I think that the some of the truly funny bits in there were um not not at all uh superfluous or overdone. It was just exactly the right amount. And I, I really believe it was his writing. Yeah, I think so too. And it's know. the scary parts too. It's it's the frightening parts because people laugh. They like to eh, you know, uh try to get out of I really liked Halloween two thousand. So did I. I think honestly, the only part of that movie that I would have changed maybe would have been like the beginning with the podcasters, like when the podcasters holding you know the mask, and then it just cuts to the credits. Like it's just so abrupt, it still bothers me. Yeah. Well, it's it's almost like one of those uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, terminologies of Amy, but you know, like the sell reel that you're yeah. doing to get funding. It's like, oh, here's what we're gonna do. This is gonna be. Oh, they're gonna be so interesting. It's like. Well, yeah, you don't actually usually leave it in the movie. You just yeah. kind of do it for the 
the trailer or to um you know get get seed money it's like yeah no and i i'll still contend like that remake was a million times better than it had any business of being you know exactly I, I like i literally only hope that terminator dark fate is at least half as decent although like uh, my friend keith already saw it and he really hated it so i'm hoping we differ well i also think you know what's a uh stallone's logan or whatever he's yeah. gonna do oh, Logan last Rambo. Blood. Yeah, yeah yeah last i actually was gonna say is it really called last blood and then yeah. my head i'm like it's called last blood yeah. oh my it's like is it really called rocky balboa yeah yeah it is so i i feel like we're kind of just at that point but yeah i i'm still willing to go see i i will say this that um it's funny because now we've mentioned two of my top 2018 picks uh was the other one was halloween 2018 yeah and i'm i'm six we're in six six months of the year already and i don't even have a single single pick yet yeah yeah that's that's kind of where i'm at right now like i I was really hoping by now i would in general have like more movies that i was like really excited Mm -hmm. about you know like this is my pick for the year the only movie this horror movie this year that so far is like on my list to beat is the perfection which like again i feel like i wish netflix hadn't bought that movie because most people will never see it you know because i think it's a dumping ground yeah yeah and it's like literally it, it's an awesome like rape revenge like genre mishmash thing like mm-hmm. it reminds you know i don't did you watch it i haven't watched it but somebody just said black swan meets uh I spit on your grave or um what's the other one the one with uh uh jazz drumming uh whiplash oh, like- that i've heard some people said that too in some I mean, senses it, so in the reductivist thing it's like uh if black swan was also a rape revenge movie that started off being think started started you off thinking it was gonna be like the ruins or something oh it's it's hmm. a bunch it's like a bunch of crazy genres that all work together and there's so, and then, then it ends up with being like a body horror thing kind of like um uh, uh dead ringers which was actually the best part of black swan in my opinion yeah was the uh the the very real aspect of being a dancer and the physical toll it takes yeah i thought that was the i mean more people cringed at that it's yeah uh, yeah i yeah it's one i haven't seen it's one i've really wanted to watch i i feel like you know of course people have been saying um um you know i've heard a lot about climax i've heard uh uh the one coming forth from uh jennifer kent the Duke one but with uh, uh um darling no, no it's uh, uh i i know which one you're talking about the revenge movie it's like yeah. it's set in the yeah that turn of the century or whatever yeah darling is a sequel to the woman That's yeah yeah yeah. yeah but there's i've heard really good things about that one um the nightingale the nightingale yes yeah. thank you yeah, that yeah was I just thought of it. I didn't have to look it up. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> we were talking before we got started that we were trying to keep this uh, uh, internet free as much as possible where um, the, the struggle is real and you can hear it, that we are, uh, we're working to uh, test ourselves. Yeah. But yeah, the name, I'm like, it has, you know, it's funny, it's almost like The Revenant. Like, you're thinking yeah. of that kind of name where it's like, it's the something. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but that one looks really good. I mean, I, you know, Midsummer, like I said, I think. Yeah. But I'm like, you well, know. and they also just added Hagazusa to Shutter, so I'll probably watch that this weekend because I heard that was good. Yeah, I've got a copy. I started watching it. I was very interested. It very much has started a lot like The Witch, mm-hmm. and so that really has my uh, that was uh, my top 2016 pick. 
uh, A24 just kind of well, runs my life. I don't know life. if The Lighthouse is going to come out this year, too. The new movie from yeah. the dude who did The Witch. So that yeah. looks really interesting. It's like, you know, like, uh, I feel like from what I've read, not to spoil it too much, it has kind of an Elder Gods kind of... That's what I've heard. It's very yeah. Lovecraftian. And so um, the other one, too, I just started watching last night. I did not have time to finish just because uh, um, of uh, an event I went to, but was uh, The Hole in the Ground. Is on. I saw the hole in the ground. Yeah. I was gonna write a review for that. Oh, okay. Just added to Netflix. Well, I only watched the first ten minutes, and I was definitely interested. So that's a plus. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting movie. Sure, well, we can talk about that next time. Maybe. Yeah, sure. But so, I mean, but why don't why don't you tell us about the event? You oh, sure, sure. Night? So, um, uh, our mutual friend uh, Danny, uh, who works at the Alamo Draft House, um, uh, just an absolute wonderful person. She writes for a. Uh, uh, morbidlybeautiful.com and a few other sites um, and uh, she uh, wanted to do an event for uh, a um, uh, 501c3 organization here in Arizona it's called Mulligan's Manor mm-hmm. and it is uh, for at risk LGBT youth and uh, so we is uh, so there was a raffle uh, Victor and I both contributed many many people did in the community thank you so much to everybody who did um, Last count I heard, there was over $700 raised uh, from Mulligan's Manor, which um, has one of the lowest operating costs of any nonprofit in the United States. That's pretty it's, crazy. It's uh, 4%, I believe, is their administrative fees. So that's wonderful to see. And, of course, the amazing work they did. It, it definitely was uh, pretty heart-wrenching, some of the stories they told. But I, it was um, also very, of course, uh, uh, heartwarming to also the successes they've had in um, helping individuals that, um, you know, uh, unfortunately, there are a lot of bad situations. They're helping them to get out of it. Um, but basically, uh, uh, it was also a celebration, of course, of Pride Month. And uh, decided to show Alexander Aha's uh, uh, 2003 masterpiece, High Tension, which was a uh, a first-time watch for a good chunk of the crowd. Yeah, so, I... I, I, I um... You know, Aja, I think I said aha. Yeah, I don't know why. I wasn't that, trying to has, take on me here or anything. He also has that crocodile horror movie coming out later this year. Yes, which I um I'm actually pretty excited about just because but do you know what? That's the feeling I got with the Meg. My hopes were way too high and that right. and the Meg was like one of the worst movies I've seen in years. Hey, so how often you get to see Jason Statham punch a shark. That's true. Yeah. Probably in two thousand eighteen we also got to see uh the rock knock out a dinosaur so or a crocodile monster i guess rampage horrible movie i watched uh something or read an article recently i think it was on slate or something but it was about um end credit rap songs uh-huh. and i totally or end credit songs and i totally forgot about the one at the end of deep blue sea oh, with God. ll cool j i think it's called deeper bluer and it's like you gotta be kidding me i gotta go back just to listen to the song it's just kind of ridiculous some of the shit you see when you uh watch in a horror movie that's true i suppose i don't know and it's like i i swear though this year has been like uh i so many movies that i horror movies i really wanted to like and then i go see them and the concept just like dies on the vine I, I swear to God, like, Brightburn is all, one of my biggest, like, what the fuck? I can't believe I wasted my life watching this. <laughs> this could have been a short, you know? I don't want to get into it. I wrote a review about it. Yeah. But... Well, I think the, the, the big thing with that was, um, I, I think for Brightburn, uh, was the um, the high hope of horror and comics. 
Yeah, what right. Movies are superhero movies merging? Um, for those, uh, I I'm a, I really enjoy both uh, Irredeemable and Invincible, which are both comics with superheroes. Uh, also, The Boys is a little bit like that. Yeah, and I I think it is a an area ripe with potential. But I I enjoyed Brightburn for the gore. I thought it was excellent. oh yeah, it's super it's, gory. It was so but, excellent, yeah. but yeah, it's just a very um. It could have been a short film. Yeah, and I agree with you on that one. I I don't know where to put that in my canon. It's definitely not anywhere in the top five or ten. Yeah. but I still like that they did it. I just wish it had been better. That's all yeah. I can do. And um, but um, I think that that's again just a quick reference back to us was just that I think that that's the thing. It's just. The concept lures you in yeah. so much. And people, as soon as I saw the tether, the untethered, I was like, this is awesome. This yeah. is one of the coolest looking concepts for something so minimal. Right. Um, you know, it's not particularly, it's kind of like a good slasher villain. Yeah. I like, I feel the less time they had spent explaining them, the stronger that movie would have been. And then I write it, write it literally right from the beginning where it's like, Oh, there's so many abandoned sewers, and under- yeah. I was like, "Oh boy." Well, the hands across America thing too Dude, really don't, was yeah. was going far. But I, I mean, I just kind of go back to too though. I think that um, I think when people look at things like um, you know, they go, "What was you know?" I mean, Blumhouse obviously, and some of the other studios have yeah. a gold mine where it's like, "Where can you take the ho- cheapest looking Halloween mask?" I mean, it's you know, Scream, uh, Halloween, obviously the, the the franchises, the empires did this, but I mean. Like, you look at a movie like The Strangers or The Purge, and it's yeah. like, this is genius in that respect. Like, I, I just really wish, I mean, I, I don't want to get into the idea of, like, you know, everything needs to be, like, an ad- adaptation or something. Mm-hmm. But, like, I really wish something like Bloomhouse would, like, you know, license, like, something like, you know, uh, that game Dead by Daylight. Sure. And, like, you could, I feel like there's so many interesting, like, little serial killers. They, make, they could make up movies for, like, all of those and yeah. not really tie them together. Well, there's also, I mean, there's so many good, you know, that's, we've talked about in the past podcast with Cole Falling that there's so many good, like, survival horror and horror video yeah. games, and video games in general that could do it. But it's, um, what I think, it, I mean, and then it's like, and then Blumhouse comes out with Black Christmas out of completely Dude, left that, field. that, like, like, blew my brain. Uh, yeah. I was like, was anybody clamoring for a Black Christmas remake? Yet here we are, it's coming out in, like, uh, five months yep i mean that's cool that they it is but you know i i almost was like oh like when i first heard that, i was like oh is that going to be like the christmas episode of into the dark or something <laughs> for those who you don't know like bloomhouse has like a series on uh-huh. hulu where every month they do a different horror movie based on a holiday that happens that month yeah you know so i was like oh no it's a theatrical film so that'll be interesting so yeah, I, I definitely think, though, out of all the remakes that have happened in recent years, that was one of the ones. Black I, Xmas. I, I, Black Xmas, which I do enjoy. It, if it, w- it had been to its original full potential, if it had been the film the director intended, yeah. which unfortunately never happened. I did recently, by the way, find that on HD DVD for a buck, and <laughs> I found out it's actually one of the rarest HD DVDs. Wow, I did it, not know yeah, that. Yeah, it's also in com- could become, it's not like, I mean, not like, it's in the hundreds or something, but I mean, it's, you know, None of the HD DVDs are, but it's not un, you know, uncommon. So, um, yeah. or it's not common. But the Black Christmas Blu-ray was only Black Xmas. Let's just distinct. That was only that's released the in Blu-ray. Way to yeah. yeah. No, I, I mean the thing is, Black Black Christmas has an easy enough premise. I mean, it's yeah. the first slasher movie. Like, hey, girls uh, who are staying 
over, you know, at a private school during Christmas. Like that's, you know, fuck if the if they own the concept enough, just like you know, use the name and like that would be mm-hmm. a cool movie. Like, did you ever see that um one movie called Christy? The cult one, yeah. I, I, it's another one. I feel so bad. It's like, dude, I'm, I'm like the, 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 what do you call it? The, the, uh, the horror guy. No, no, that too. That's always like, <laughs> it's like whenever I do Simpsons trivia, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm getting so rusty. Um, no, I'm feeling like the lo- uh, the, 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 um, lame duck. The, you know, not the good part of this combo, but I really. It was just well, it's, it's all a it's lot of very, the ones on I'm Netflix. I'm just pulling out a, a lot of horror movies out of my ass right now. Well, no, like, that's true too. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just you know, uh, crop dust as you will. But it's one of those things where a lot of these movies, I, um, it, it's one of those things where you just start watching it for ten, fifteen minutes, uh-huh. and it either lures you in or you you don't. And when it doesn't happen that way, it's um, I don't know. It's actually interesting. One of the um, events to tie it into was I went to um, uh, Phoenix Comic Con this year and I went to uh, Rebecca McKendry, yeah. uh, her panel they do every year, which is one of my favorites with Mo- our friend Monty and a bunch of other fine folks. Um, they do bold horror statements. Yeah. And one of Rebecca's was about how Netflix has pretty much ruined horror, like in the sense of that so many people do it that way. They watch like 15 minutes, whereas, like, including herself, yeah. we're dedicated horror fans, you know, like when you're renting on video or when you just blind bought a movie yeah you were committed to it and now you're like i'll I'll get back to it i don't know i i do kind of feel that netflix has so many horror movies that's true that you're never on in the in the sense like oh netflix owns this it's going to be here forever so what's the point if i watch it and I know so many people who watch horror movies, like, I'll, you know, I'll watch 10 minutes, I'll watch 10 minutes, and like, like you're watching a fucking YouTube series. And yeah. it's very, like, I can't do that shit. I gotta watch the movie from start to finish, you know? So that's why, like, you know, if I'm watching a movie, I get an hour out, and I'm like, fuck, I gotta start that movie from scratch. And it's not fair to the movie, but, like, there's a lot of movies I've never gone to watch like, uh, I don't feel at home in this world anymore, which I heard was really good because it's on Netflix. And I was like, well, fuck, I got to watch this. And I'm like, uh, I'm not in the mood to watch that right now. So it literally exists in the ether of my Netflix <laughs> queue. I'm sorry, my Netflix list, because we're too stupid as Americans to know what queue is. Means. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe one day I'll watch it. But that's kind of the thing. Like, I also feel that, like, in general, if Netflix buys a movie, then it's, like, so unlikely people will ever get to watch it. Because at least if it's theatrical or, like, you know, a a boutique label gets it, you're going to go out of your way to get the physical thing and watch it versus on Netflix. It's like, it's in the cloud. I'll watch it eventually. Yeah, that's true. And and like I said, I'm guilty of it. I admit to it. I also, um, one of my New Year's resolutions this year was to... Um, if I buy something, I'm going to watch it yeah. as soon as I get, even if it's, um, um, you know, uh, a re-release or a special edition of something I already own 10 copies of, I'm still going to buy it. Yeah. But, um, the, uh, I'm really trying to become dedicated to whatever I I've slowed down a lot of my purchasing just because, um, you know, it's like, man, I've got so much now to watch between all of the, um, channels that are available because I, I mean, I've, I've always said I haven't had cable in 15, 16 yeah. years now. I had Netflix by mail and then I had my film physical collection and then 
once it was uh, streaming and then it's just you know i still see no need i have so much stuff to watch now but um yeah i'll definitely watch it here eventually because that um i really do i I think the the cult-based films and stuff is something that's really alluring to me yeah Uh, always has been i like that idea a lot so it's it's one of the many it's like somebody like i said will do a good pitch and it gets me really interested but then i um the Netflix ones especially, I have a real difficult... And you're right, it is a hindrance to the film mm-hmm. that it ends up on a platform that really will never appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just not possible. Well, I mean, the other thing, too, is how Netflix almost never puts its own movies out on Blu-ray or mm-hmm. their TV shows they will eventually. I mean, like, honestly, um, I'm really thankful for the fact that last year, Netflix, like, sent me, like, a giant fucking stack of, like, 60 movies like oh check these out for awards because half of them i was like i didn't even realize this was a fucking movie yeah you know and i found one of my favorite movies of last year like that it was hold the dark um by jeremy Sonnier, the guy who did blue ruin and mm. green room and it's like it had like a jeffrey wright and riley keogh and it has a weird cult thing going on and it's like man this movie fuck i wish a24 had bought it because people would probably be talking about it yeah. Well, and then also the problem I, it's been funny is, is that, you know, right now with midsummer and stuff, um, and this is where I'm going with this one is more just towards the idea of that, you know, the hype machine has gotten so big, especially in horror. It's like it's become that this is going to be the the most revolutionary film. And it's like that's it's an advantage that a film is able to have such a elevation with its studio backing and its promotion. Yeah. But then it also becomes its downfall because A24 so far has delivered, in my opinion, not everything I I thought was great or enjoyed a ton, but it also, you know, it, it's become a really dependable brand. Yeah. But then it also, some of its stuff, you know, that you, like you said, like that, it would, it would have been the title and now it's going to languish somewhere. Yeah. Big name directors, uh, you know, top tier actors and stuff like that, that maybe want to do something smaller, independent, and now it's... It's like, it's basically, yeah, it's lost forever. It's like being in a band and you, it's like, oh, hey, go to my band camp or hey, check out my thing. It's <laughs> like, no, I don't have time. The only time people will check that stuff out now is it, it, it's funny that you mentioned the whole thing about watching 10 minutes and it becomes a YouTube thing. But that's what life is now. Like music, it's Spotify or yeah. whatever. Like people are like, if I can't get it on the medium and in the format I want, then like my interest has pretty much well, gone away. It was like uh, a few months back, I watched um, Critters, a new binge on Shudder. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, cool, a new Critters thing. I love Critters. And it's like, this show is clearly like meant to be a YouTube series, you know? And they put it together as episodes, but it, it's like, I don't know who the audience for that was, because it was just like, stupid kind of stoner, like, stoner stoner jokes and like just dumb it like it really and it was made so cheap it's like this was clearly made for someone to like either get high and make fun of it or just like mst3k riff on it yeah and that just fucking annoyed me because it's like you can't just like make a little series it's interesting and maybe you know that's the they're making another Critters movie. Yeah, I know. And apparently this is, from what I've heard, it's kind of the flip where they're trying to make it sort of serious. So maybe they're trying to please both masters. But I almost feel like if something is made for like, a, you know, like this is just going to be short. 
they're gonna go and try to make it stupid rather than interesting yeah. well i think that's what uh you know it's it's weird how those um rights and etc issues and stuff have resolved themselves into okay everyone gets to you know everyone does their own art project here it's like child's play now has a tv series yeah its own separate movie series a new reboot and then it's like um they kind of did that you know you're talking about the stoner thing it's kind of like with like leprechaun yeah like leprechaun returns just came out it was a sci. it was exclusive to sci-fi for a while and you know obviously they got it so they could do it on saint patrick's day but then you also it's like they can do these so cheaply. Basically, they just took a page from Full Moon's playbook. Yeah, kind of. And it's like, if they could get it to be Critters versus Evil Bong, they would do it. But they, you know, Charlie Band can't afford that. So he gets, you know, they, they do their own thing, which they always have. And, it, and you know, it's like, uh, Full Moon's like Troma. It, it, it's one of those fan bases. I enjoy both Full Moon and Troma. But I'm also not going to sit there like I'm the most ardent, diehard defender because I I need something more a lot of the times. I, yeah. I just do. Like, I don't mean to say that in a pretentious or pompous way. No, you just want, if you're spending time to watch something, you want it to be something that at least you're going to be, like, um, engaged with. Yeah. Yeah. Not like, uh, uh, uh yeah. Uh, uh, uh. And that's me half the time watching, like, I don't know, like, uh, not that long ago, I watched uh, this movie called Assimilate, I think it comes out on Blu-ray on Tuesday, it's kind of like, it, it, it's straight up Invasion of the Body Snatchers, like, mm-hmm. but it's like, but it tries to do this, like, found footage thing, the main reason I watched it is because it had um, the kid who was in uh, The Act, I don't know if you watched The Act on I've seen one, yeah, yeah. it's really good. I'll like, check it out. Yeah. But, um, and it has, and the main girl in it is, um, the grand, it's jo- Laurie Strode's granddaughter from 2018 Halloween. Oh, okay. Okay. So I was like, okay, let's check it out. And it's, it, it, you know, it's interesting, you know, like it's clearly it's a low budget movie, but it's like trying to do the most that it can. And it only uses like, um, the found footage thing to kind of try to get around doing the special effects for like pods and stuff. So I was like, okay, see, I like that it's not found footage the whole fucking time. See, because mm. I feel like, you know, and this is the thing I hated so much about Netflix at first when they got like this whole flood of horror movies. It was just like, everything's fucking found footage, you know, because it's the cheapest movie to make and yeah. concept, concept, concept. What's well, that or paranormal? Yeah. Like paranormal, when I mean that, I meant like, um, you're a great value Annabelle. Like, yeah. this is... uh whatever I, they they it's like the one that I, I always laugh at is the robert which is a real legend oh, of robert a doll. the doll yeah, yeah but it's like they i'm like man you, like that's that was probably the easiest one to get the rights to and it, or that you may you didn't have to get rights to and so that's what you did it's like we're gonna make this for almost nothing yeah like it, 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 yeah but we're gonna pawn it off you know, we're going to do the box art. We're going to do the description, like, so that you really are. The the one that killed me was uh, Pet Cemetery came out. They had Pet Graveyard. Oh, dude, totally. I was like, come on, man. Really? We're back to that shit? It's not even like, it's not even like a mockbuster thing because I read the, the description. No, it's just like, try, it's just trying the to get out. is, yeah. but it has nothing to do with it. It's like, wow, you guys are some. It's the 80s you guys are all some, over again. Well, no, it's almost like you guys are cam whores or something. Yeah. Like, this is. This is a next level, like... Uh, well, I remember, like, the 90s in video... In, 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 back at 
mom and pop video store. Oh, this looks interesting and it had a cool cover. And then it's like, this is like a British like mini series about aliens that has nothing <laughs> to do with like, you know, the alien chick on the cover or whatever. Like, oh, yeah. it's all eagerish. Uh, no. Yeah. What's well, funny when you started talking about that last one, uh, was assimilation? Assimilate. Assimilate. I actually thought it was you were gonna it just just from just the word I started thinking either the um uh, uh species or uh splice. I don't know why. Those are the first two. Just yeah, by thought, saying that yeah. term, that's the first thing I think of. Yeah, I, I like I feel like the movie could have had a better title, like, you know, something. But yeah, I I'm not gonna try to market it for them. But yeah, I thought it was alright, you know. Maybe maybe you should. Like that <laughs> might help a little bit, like I, I don't know. I, well, I, I, I guess for me with like the alien thing on a quick riff was that I just wish more people would do like fire in the sky. I've been waiting for something like that for so long because I have no real interest in the alien or abductions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's all I want is something like that again. Like, yeah, you it, never I, know, maybe. I don't know. Can't you just do something a little bit more like Unsol- when Unsolved Mysteries did it better than like most <laughs> people with a cheesy reenactment? It's like, come on, man. There used to be a show, Paranormal Witness, years ago that was actually, their reenactments were better than most of the mm. horror films I was watching. Like, in terms of the quality of right. it. Right. Like, no, there were a ton. I remember, uh, yeah. I remember UPN used to have one called the Beyond Belief Factor. Their fiction. fiction. That one I remember. Which would get me, because they would. Was that was, Jonathan Frakes? Yes. Yes, yes. It, yeah. would ju- it was just reenactments, and at the end, like, did you guess which one was real? And I'm like, the one with ghosts? <laughs> I'm just like it was in fact based on a true story. I'm like the the bar for this thing is so fucking low. Yeah, but that was the fun in it yeah. too. It was I mean, especially when I was younger. Of course, that stuff you know a lot of stuff I couldn't rent, so that was the stuff you watched. Yeah, I mean, kids now, I'm gonna get too much like <laughs> too old already. Like try, trying to avoid that instantly, but it, it you just go down that path. But it's but that's also it, it lends itself as a final comment to the whole thing is, is that when you have so many options, you have so many choices. Yeah. It, you, you either have to be, um, curating or cultivating, which is why a lot of people like, like shutter and some other, um, you know, or enjoy people's lists. I mean, not yeah. just like listicles, but I, people's I feel, in-depth. No, I get what you're saying. It's like the yeah. Joe Bob thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that that's kind of where that ends up going, but, I don't know. Did you, did you see any since you were out in Las Vegas for the? Oh yeah, uh, Days of the Dead. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't get a chance to check out because Days of the Dead does have a um like film fest and shorts and stuff. Unfortunately, um, I was actually up for a, a death metal festival called Las Vegas Death Fest for the first two days, so I just was there for a few hours before I went home. Um, the main reason I went uh see some friends and people and stuff, but it was. Really just for two guests. Um, I've been going to conventions probably 25 years now, 27, and I've never met Tracy Lords. Seriously? Yeah, never. That's She's funny. never been at any convention that I'm aware of. Well, I'm not, you know, you, you grew up in so Southern California, may have seen it. Yeah, we, we went to go uh, see Hairspray last year, and she was there. Yeah. And I was like, is she in? No, she's not. She's, she was just there because she's friends with John Waters, duh. Yeah, so it's... um. It, you know, for me, it was like, and, and, you know, she has, I like, like, some of her, like, schlockier stuff, like Shock em Dead. Um, it's funny, I actually went with Blade out of everything, just because it's the oh, image right. I like most. Yeah. I'm sorry, Ruby, that it wasn't Cry Baby. I already <laughs> apologized to her. 
I, I do enjoy Crybaby, and I think she's a great part of it. Um, meeting her, I definitely she was very kind and 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 very um, um, you know, just very professional and and uh, thing. But man, she is exactly the way she is on screen. Like there is no difference. Mm-hmm. She has the same demeanor, and I mean, it, it just it was very much like talking to a um. You know, it's an inseparable element. Not not neither she, good nor bad. The she's character just, she played, or her, basically. She's very, um, um, how can I say it? It's like she's she'll talk to you, but it's she's um, very selective with her words, and she's very um, her tone is very even. She doesn't have any real like when I spoke to her, there was very few highs and lows, except when I actually asked her about Shock Him Dead. She said, "I don't know why anybody likes that fucking movie." So that was pretty funny, but yeah. um, yeah, she was very cool. So I got to spend a little bit of time with her. But the the main reason I went was, um, I have never met Clive Barker, mm. um, who is one of my biggest inspirations. Um, I love almost everything he's ever done in film, book, um, art. I I just adore the man, and um, you know, um, it's just uh, he. I had, you know, it was a, it was a pretty long wait. He's got like a Robert England thing where he will really sit there and talk to you. Um, his handlers and, and uh, representatives and stuff, they basically got to get him to stop. Um, I have always said uh, publicly on different podcasts and events that I am not a big fan of people who are like, oh, uh, I can't wait to meet them. We're going to have a moment or I can't oh, wait to geez. have a moment with them and things like that. And I've never been that way. I've always been respectful of people. I try to keep um, any interactions. I mean, if, if I'm not hustled along, I try to keep it to a few minutes yeah. at, with, at most, maybe five. Um, I I feel terrible, um, especially since I was actually saying that in this line. But I ended up talking with Clyde Barker for about 20, 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, he just we talked history and um, uh, we talked, you know, a bunch of different subjects in terms of uh, comic book industry a lot of times, by the way, when celebrities uh, meet me, especially older individuals um, of a certain generation, they always think of Jack Kirby first when I tell them my name is Kirby. So mm-hmm. they almost always. And so Clive had a lot of discussion about that. Um, and we just we just had a really good conversation. I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, we had this amazing connection or something. <laughs> but, I mean, he genuinely, I don't know if he just, it seems like he makes everybody feel that way. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, like, just to be able to shake his hand, hold his hand, talk to him. Um, you know, you know, there's there's no dancing around it. Clive is wheelchair bound largely. He is um he has I think problems with his legs. I know he had some difficulties after uh, dental work many years ago, orthodontic work. Um, you know, he had his um throat polyps from his All smoking. The time. Yeah, but his voice has actually recovered quite well. Really? But his the you know, and it's like, you know, he was he could tell he was not in great shape, but I have never seen a man in such high spirits, so friendly, so warm, so effervescent and funny. And generally, like I said, I mean, I don't I, it, like I got to gush like a little girl because it's just like he it was like truly one of the, the difference between magic and illusion. Clyde Barker really is magic. He really is one of the most amazing people I've ever met and had the opportunity to enjoy their art and their their um life um and i'm glad he shared it with the world and stuff and that he took this opportunity and i got to meet him i mean i just that i mean like not just highlight of the fest highlight of my week probably one of the highlights of my year 
I, I just cool. so it, it, and Robert England I met him last year, but Robert England was is very um. It's almost like going to a seminar. It's almost like his character in Urban Legend. He's very yeah. he has the best stories. Um, but with Clyde Parker, it was more like a conversation, and yeah. that's just it's it's like old talking to an old friend. It's just amazing. Now he's an interesting guy. I met him like ten years ago when um I think he was it was for like an anniversary of uh hellraiser thing mm-hmm. and it was him doug bradley and ashley lawrence they were all doing like a like a panel together and then afterwards i met him and got their autographs but like you know it was like this whole deal where like you know the guy who's running the panels like well, what do you guys have coming up and you know ashley lawrence is like well you know i she were she was you know doing artwork mm-hmm. and then uh clive's like you know Oh, you know, I'm working on some books, and you know, I'm always busy. You know, and then and then it's like uh, Doug Bradley's like, well, I don't want to bore you all with everything I'm working with, but and then he goes on telling every single B <laughs> movie he has coming out that year, and then him and Ashley Lawrence start acting like they're falling asleep, while Doug Bradley just keeps on talking, and literally <laughs> Clyde Barker like flops over and starts going. And then he would just, and then Doug probably just, well, I'll just speak louder then, you know, and it's just like, yeah, yeah. that's definitely his, um, his, he was very playful. I saw some pictures, yeah. um, somebody took a topless picture with him Wow. and Clyde Barker took his shirt off and it, it's just it, it, like the guy is just, yeah. he's just a party, like so much fun. No, and he, he like, he definitely, you know, I mean, yeah, I know he has his health problems, but he's definitely a, a guy who like just want wants or wanted to live his life. Cause I mean, I remember when I was talking to him, you know, he was talking about like, he had just gotten his throat polyp scraped up, scraped off again. And they told him, he was like, Oh, and they told me you gotta stop smoking and drinking. <laughs> I said, Oh sure. And then I went home and I had some whiskey. <laughs> You know. Yeah, he he just. I mean, it was like, and like you said, I don't bring up his health problems. Or I mean, anything. I don't know if he even sounds like that. Anymore. No, he didn't. That's what. But it's like you know, he when I bring up things and stuff is like, what I want to do is the contrast in his yeah. his his spirit versus it. I mean, it's just one of those things where it gives you like hope in life that somebody is so you can tell is not feeling well, and they are just. Like it, it, like it didn't even matter. And I'm sure he's using every bit of energy he had. Yeah, but I mean, totally. it was just amazing. So, uh, great. The the convention itself. I mean, I can't say here nor there. It was it was good to see some friends because there's some people who who only make it out to those. And so, um, and I've only been to a couple. Uh, one of the last ones was with you at uh, LAX. Yeah, that's um, the last years one I ago, went to. and that was probably five years ago. Yeah. Um, and then I, this was the first time I did the Vegas one. It just worked out as a happy coincidence and, um, it was, it was good, but, um, you know, just nothing to write home about. Um, I did see, um, Eddie Furlong there mm-hmm. and man, yeah, the, the definition of the, uh, the before picture, uh, consistently and yeah. he's going to be at, and I, like I said, Again, whenever I say these things, I don't mean it as a diminishment no, well, of the you know, thing. That's it's just the thing. I mean, I I can't really get. I mean, yeah. I mean, he had a you know a hard life growing up. He got cast in Terminator oh, Two yeah. right out of foster care. Yeah. But at the same, you know, the same time, I mean, he was a kid. When, I mean, I you know, if you look at me when I was fifteen compared to now, I'm sure people are like, oh, that guy went to shit. You know. Well, no, no. <laughs> I don't think that man. Yeah. I yeah, but no, but what I, well, and also, I mean, I can't instantly defend a furlong when he is. 
you know, uh, been on domestic violence charges oh, yeah, numerous true. time, that's and he's true. been pretty pretty scumbaggy. But um, I'm actually super psyched though to go meet Danny Cooksey because. Uh, oh, what's he going to be at? He's going to be at Son of Monster Blues oh, with shit. Eddie Furlong. So that oh, I might have to get. I, I'm gonna. I might have to get that John Connor figure from um, exclusive yeah. from San Diego Comic Con and get him to sign it. That'd be cool. I just want him to either sign Mom and Dad Save the World, uh, Danny Cooksey, either Mom and Dad Save the World or uh, Salute Your Shorts for me. Oh, I just, I, I'm pretty sure his line is all about, going to be all Salute Your, your shorts. shorts. Yeah. Yeah. Which, it, it always is interesting when somebody was on, like, a Nickelodeon or Disney-type show, and then they have a, um, you know, they're at, like, a horror convention. It's always interesting. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, no, they did some interesting ones. Uh, Phil Fondacaro's going to be there. I haven't seen him at a convention um, in a while, so um, I'd like to see him and a few yeah, other Yeah, he's folks. like in Troll, right? Yeah, he was He was the Troll. Yeah. He was in Willow, of course, and in, um, uh, he was in uh, Bordello Blood. That's right. Yeah, Garbage yeah. Bale Kids. Yeah, he's, it's he's him and Warwick Davis and um, the guy from Seinfeld are always... A, yeah. Know, yeah, are always the three that are in those movies. Yeah, and uh, what's his name? The... Billy, uh, he's like the guy who started, um, uh, like the union for like little people actors. Yeah. Um, he was in Wizard of Oz. Um, yeah. Oh, he passed away. Yeah, year. he passed yeah. away, but he was he he put a lot of effort yeah. into making sure that people were treated dignity and respect. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. But um, yeah, so it's very so there's some good people already appearing. So that's mm-hmm. gonna be fun. Um, but yeah, that's uh, those are like the definitely been the big movies and events. I can't think of too much else since we uh me and victor we haven't as you may know from those listen call following we've we've kind of taken a little bit of a um a little bit of a uh siesta um <laughs> yeah. the call following podcast network has definitely grown as we mentioned in the beginning um we will be back we'll probably do some more here but for now it's been that and i, I really can't think of a huge amount we mentioned pet cemetery um yeah i think the last one we did was like around april yeah so it was like right before avengers came out i did see uh curse of la Llorona completely alone in the theater i believe um, it yeah and it was actually during the opening weekend uh, um but it was uh eh, you know here nor there um man i find i saw the nun like that's the first conjuring verse movie i've ever seen really I haven't seen any of the other oh. ones. I watched them and I was like, man, this is such a letdown. Yeah, it was. The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2 I still enjoy. And I actually do enjoy the two Annabelle movies. Um, I will well, probably three be going, now. Well, yeah, I'll be going to see the third one here shortly. It's a big, that's a doll doll heavy. We've got Child's Play, Annabelle, um, Toy Story. Story. They all come out the same, same week. week. Yeah. That, that's weird. Yeah. There's some, <laughs> there's some big stuff coming out. I mean, but... Um, you know, I don't, I mean, really, like I said, some of the tent poles and stuff, it, it's kind of like uh, you were saying, it's like the, the King thing has kind of died down a bit with it. Chapter two, it's going to rev up high again, yeah. long walks coming, a bunch of other ones. But I just feel like, you know, we're hitting the point. Uh, almost all the Bachman books have been done. Uh, there's only one left in different seasons. Um, a lot of the stuff from, I mean, like with uh, Night Shift and... Um, uh, skeleton crew and a few of the other anthology books nightmares i'm and... sure they'll remake like christine at some point. yeah mm-hmm. well they already did like nightmares and dreamscapes as yeah. a television show and what i see is that they'll be doing that probably with night shift or skeleton crew oh and with then the a... creep show tv show yeah, starts creep show in the TV. Fall, so. yeah well speaking of yes was... there's what... a great segue look at that i didn't even fucking time that shit 
So, you know. Uh, He's smooth. Yeah. Very smooth. See, I ruined it all by explaining it after the fact. That's true, too, but that's yeah. okay. But, um, no, so Father's Day is this weekend. So, um, you know, we're, we're hitting, like, see, now we got past the catch-up thing. Now we're doing the body of the show. You know, this is the autopsy of Father's Day. We're going to talk about a little bit about Thank Father's. you, Jordan Peele, for explaining it right? completely. No, <laughs> now I have to do a flashback on how I thought of explaining it. You know. But, there you uh, go. Yeah, so Creep Show's coming up, uh, the TV show. So it's like, you know, and Father's Day is a Sunday. So this is a topic that is really kind of interesting in horror is the idea of fatherhood. Very true. You know, the father is sometimes the main aggressor, the monster in many horror movies, or at least the protagonist that gets the wheel spinning, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting to see what kind of, like, drives that idea, because there's just so many movies where, like, the idea of fatherhood drives someone insane, almost. Or like just uh, or the child suffers because of a father and that leads to a retreat into like this darkness or something. Yeah, there's a lot of different kinds of themes and and topics surrounding it. I mean, it's like, you know, when you kick off, I mean, I think I think every Father's Day online, it's always a I got my cake, you know, so it's it's funny. It's a very surface and um, humorous kind of thing. But there's some there's some deep deep-seated issues i mean obviously that people have both with their fathers or with their families or father figures and stuff um on the positive side i mean in horror there's a few um you know shining beacons of hope but i think generally it's because of um you know usually i I think when you can do it perfectly well i I look at um with women as the antagonist in a film mm-hmm. is you have to get to that perfect Annie Wilkes level. Right. That's the best. Uh, Stephen King, again, like a Marsha Gay um, in uh, Harden and the Mist, he, like that perfect brand of slow seeping evil. Yeah. That's, it's hard to do. It's not as easy because it's, um unless it is some, a woman of an imposing stature or a truly deviant nature, it's difficult to instantly make women, whereas fa- the men and fathers, especially in those themes, because of uh, head of the house or right. that the one with the power or whatever it may be, um, you know, it's and then it's even harder to get them to work in tandem. Well, I, it's just weird because like the more I thought of this, there's like really so few core movies where, like, the father is something of a protagonist, the idea you're supposed to get behind him because he's trying to do something good. Like, honestly, the only movie I could think of where that happens is The Omen. Yeah, the other one, I I am going to fully admit, because I don't like to just, you know, I really try not to research things. I try to think of them. I know we were talking about that with our our, uh, approach here. But funny enough, I kind of just, you know, I put in, I was thinking of, like, movies with fathers and stuff. And one of the ones that came up, I was like, man, that's 100% true. It's probably the best one in recent memory is Train to Busan. Like, that's the best father. And this is from a list with... You're totally right. Yeah, this is from a list from Bloody Disgusting. But I got to admit, this is really well thought of. I go, this has got to be one of the smartest ones. It's um, um, Train to Busan. They put um, Last House on the Left. Especially the remake where it's even more of the parents. But uh, interesting ones here that I was like, man, I didn't even... I totally blanked on the idea that the father is like 
the the whole and training the Zahn. That's or such a good movie. It is. Too. It's such a perfect movie, and he's so good. Oh, such God. a perfect that movie makes me so sad. Sad. It is. I love that movie. I would never watch it again. Yeah, it's a yeah. tough one. It's it's a a nice companion piece to a Monster Calls. Um. um oh God. One, yeah, there's another cry. one. Oh God, I I lost it in the theater. Oh, it's one of the, fuck, that that's got to be the heaviest. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd really call that a horror movie. No, but I yeah. would say in terms of if you're talking emotional impact yeah. in a movie, I haven't felt that in, probably since Up. Yeah. Um, the one of the great ones here that's listed as best, but I go, man, this is a really conflicted one to me. Um, as both uh, embodiments is John Saxon is Lieutenant Donald Thompson in Nightmare One, Three, and Seven. Oh, I guess so, because in, like, Nightmare on Elm Street 1, he's really trying hard to protect Nancy from the whole, you know, from knowing... Well, it's interesting, because, like, all right, let's get into the backstory here. Like, original Nightmare continuity, you know, Fred Krueger was a child killer. He got off on a technicality, according to Freddy's Nightmares. Sure. So the parents did a lynch mob essentially and burned him alive in the boiler room so i always and i guess this kind of informed my read of his character in those movies is that he's trying to protect nancy from the stain of knowing that her dad this like you know upstanding police officer like is a murderer like Mm -hmm. that's literally my read of that character and that's why in nightmare three to me he's like a drunk like like because well and and the mother's a drunk yeah well yeah because basically just from the get-go she was not able to handle it you know so he was kind of carrying that burden for both of them and in part three you know he found that was all for nothing which i always i really do like that in movies where um i think wherever there's some kind of um vigilante justice i mean you have both the the death wish right type but then you also have people where i'm like People always go, I, I would do it and I would, I would, you know, I'd sleep like a baby at night from knowing I did. Ju- I'm like, oh, I, what the fuck y- no, you read crime and punishment, punishment. Why don't you? Yeah, but it's more, it's <laughs> even more than that. It's just like, I, I mean, people, I'm sitting there going, you know, everyone, else, oh, I just, I'd kill them. I'd kill anybody that and it's like you wouldn't. And I said, and if you did, I mean, people go absolutely insane from mm-hmm things that they've done i mean mean, obviously uh the biggest one being post-traumatic stress disorder from war and from conflict and stuff like that but i mean not even just going so deep into that but i mean that's a that's where i think it hits home in one and then he doesn't believe her i mean not just because of the supernatural natural fantastic nature of it but because he just doesn't believe her it's like your friend killed uh you know it's the, the 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 rod kills tina yeah and it's like you know he did it he he was he was a he was a street thug he yeah, was he you know leather jacket. jacket you know yeah it's almost <laughs> like a blackboard jungle yeah. uh outsiders level of stuff it's like you know you're a soch nancy you should stay with us <laughs> and then um you know but you know and he hangs himself and, and so it's that cycle he's like well you he was guilty and he knew he was guilty that's why he killed himself yeah. he couldn't live with it and then it's like he just doesn't believe her. And then by the third, it's like, oh, I should have believed her. Yeah. Now I'm a security guard that's drunk all the time. Yeah. I'm a piece of shit. I, I'm I have a complete failure as a father. And she says it outright numerous times. Mm-hmm. And then he redeems himself. 
Yeah. He is the savior. And then in New Nightmare, when it's John Saxon, John Saxon loves Heather Langenkamp yeah. like a daughter and wants to be there, wants to help. And then the Miko Hughes as her son, it's like yeah. he wants he's a grandfather. Miko Hughes is the is yeah. her Man, he's in so many fucking horror movies. He's, he is. You know, Spawn, Pet Cemetery, New Nightmare. Nightmare. Jesus. And he has a full he's got kindergarten cop, full house. Uh, yeah. I mean he's got a he good was, he's got a good spread for uh He was also one of the evil aliens in like the latter seasons of Roswell. Yeah. Yeah. But that's like I mean that's a pretty good pretty good uh resume where yeah. some people get one and done and that's it. So but yeah, I just think that um you know that ties together nicely. So that's one, but I felt like he's both. That's people. a really good one. I like. I, I like the spin you're getting it because, like, basically, I was just thinking of movies that have fathers as prominent figures. Sure. Well, I mean, the ultimate, the first one, of course, that I thought of truly is the stepfather. Yeah. Is the I I think the linchpin of uh. I thought of The Shining. That was the first. That's true too. Yeah. I, and I did see that, but I it's funny to me because the stepfather though yeah. is especially because it's based on a true crime. Um, that I I've always not exactly, but I mean the the root cause of him murdering his whole family and moving on to another family mm-hmm. that's true, and so uh, you know I I think you can go on obviously riff on um you know Jack Torrance's descent into mm-hmm. madness, but how crazy was he to begin with? Obviously, well, did he no, break his I mean, arm? Did basically he, the the way I yeah. was looking at it is you know the whole story with the Shining Hell like Stephen King hates that movie. Because he's Jack Torrance, you yeah. know, and it's like when he sees a movie, it's it's his ego. It's like, you know, this is like in the book, I redeem myself in the movie. I'm an asshole, you know, yeah. you know, and it's like, well, I mean, you know, because Jack Torrance in Kubrick's movie doesn't want to be a father. He wants to be happy, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like he's rebelling against this very institution that, you know. He doesn't have a bad life in The Shining. Like he's a writer, he supports himself by doing these odd jobs, but clearly he thinks he's capable of much more. You True. know, and to in you know he like the he I don't think I never get the feeling at all that Jack Torrance in Kubrick's The Shining even really realizes there's something going on with Danny that could be like paranormal because he's so affected by the negative consequences of Danny's burgeoning gift, you know? Well, he's also a guy, like I said, I mean, you get just, you know, um, from the different interactions and stuff, especially with Wendy and stuff, but you understand that, I mean, he was, like, abusive. Yeah. um, And that he was, he is not only not, he does not want to be a father and stuff, like you said, because of his belief and delusions of grandeur or whatever, but also because... He's one of those people. He just he's he's trapped. He's not just trapped in the hotel. Yeah, he is trapped in his life. And he just has no idea how to get out except Mm -hmm. that. Oh, hey, I got a great way for you to get out here. Yeah. You know, you you've always been here. You you can stay with us. It's 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 a classic thing. Well, and that's the thing. It is a small. You know, the whole thing is him being driven to madness because you realize when he first meets Grady. You know, mm-hmm. he thinks he's better than him. And it's like, look at you. You're dead now. You're trapped here. I mean, mm-hmm. that's it, it, exactly what ends up happening to him. You know? Yeah. 
when you're a servant you're yeah. you're here to to meet my needs yeah and yeah you're my buddy because that's what a bartender is a bartender yeah. is your friend oh yeah Lloyd, i was talking about yeah. Brady, but yeah no no no, no, no. i'm sorry yeah i know what you mean but yeah. i'm sorry you're right i apologize yeah i got a little confused but i mean that the idea of his whole thing is but he thinks that, of grady the exact same he way does. Yeah. yeah 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 he he's gonna keep looking at it that way and it's um yeah and i think with the the whole part of uh the tying it back quick to the stepfather is is that the whole he's point just of looking for the perfect family, family. he yeah. just keeps moving on but that's the thing is 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 it's jack torrance doesn't want a family and um i totally because he keeps changing his name terry yeah. o'quinn's character but he what he wants is you know this perfect family this portrait um and it's you know it's it's weird because in some of the instances, you can tell he just wants the perfect wife, but then he realizes, I have to have a child. I have to have some yeah. child here because that's the Norman Rockwell yeah. life. Like, you have to have a perfect Saturday evening mm-hmm. post. And now he's he's got, he can't get that because people are always going to get in the way of it or, or keeping up with the Joneses. It's yeah. one or the other. So it's like a very different dichotomy. But in the end, it's it's what we consider the responsibilities of fatherhood traditionally especially in american society those are the yeah. condemnation what drives people to madness but that's what a lot of people feel about fatherhood yeah no i think a good counterpoint to that is um pet cemetery mm-hmm. cuz then you have um what's his dale midkiff yeah what's his first name oh um uh, doctor uh, doctor creed creed yeah, yeah. That, like, you know, he... Lewis Creed. Lewis Creed, that's it. You know, he moves out to the country, you know, to be, like, the small-time, you know, doctor. Yeah. You know, and then he's got, like, an infant baby and the one... And daughter Ellie and his wife. But he has a really strange relationship with his bigger family at large because Ellie's family... Or his wife's family... Rachel's family. Rachel's family hates Hates him, him, you know? And... We don't ever really get that much about his family, but you could tell like it's important for Rachel that come on at least try, and you could tell like he doesn't even want to engage in that. He's happy with whatever he's got going on right now, and then when Gage dies, all he wants is the status quo. Like he needs that child, you know. Yeah. And it's just like you're seeing what a father will do you know to try to get that i mean it's a slow descent into madness i mean right from the get-go you should really and then uh you should realize like you know the church came back wrong like what makes you think this is going to be any different you know well yeah well it's also that he's so driven that no matter how many times judd tells him yeah you know haven't you like not only am i showing you this telling you the stories i'm showing you yeah. You're watching it unfold in real life that they will never come back. Yeah. The way there's something in the ground. And it's like, um, which by the way, I just want to quick say for the, the Pet Cemetery remake, how the fuck can a movie 30 years previous make the most amazing Micmac burial ground? And then this movie, it's it literally looks like from like a um, CW show. Like, oh, yeah. We're out in the swamp or something. Dude, we're out I this... remember that. I thought that was a real place they found yeah. the first time I saw that movie. Like, oh, they must have found like some cool like. No, it's just fucking a set, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and Dale and uh, the Lewis Creed's character, too, is like, I'm a doctor. 
I provide for my family. Yeah. I have everything. I give. I have two beautiful children. He was. You get the. And you never get the feeling from that movie that like he's a bad dad. No, he's not a bad father or a bad. Um, you know, uh, he's a, a provider and stuff, and that he's doing like he's a doctor who is going from probably a very lucrative career yeah. in you know in a urban big city environment, but he's doing it because he wants his family to have a um you know rural slow paced life where yeah. they can really enjoy each other and that's the whole thing is is that he's like well your family rachel's family not only hates him they hate rachel you yeah. killed your own sister oh yeah like so oh, that that whole that's one honestly i think that's the weakest part of pet cemetery that no one. but it is yeah, part but, of, yeah exactly. but it is part of the family yeah. dynamic of what it is because you realize how much they um you know like it's not just gage's funeral is like the boiling point yeah. but it's the um it's all the build up and stuff because you can hear her on the phone and things. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's a major issue in a lot of marriages and a lot of relationships with families that don't get along or the time spent with them. But I think with the fatherhood is, is that, you know, a lot of them, it's a checkbox thing. Yeah. It's like I did everything that you need me to do. Now, what's what's ever going to be enough? And that's what really pushes some people over the edge. Yeah, is, for is, real. And for real in real life too, not just in these, um, you know, in these films or in this fantasy kind of stuff. So, you know, I just those are good examples. I mean, I I, I pulled this list like I said, it was just randomly. Of course, it was like the first search result, and then of course, you know, it's much easier to do the worst. They bring up, uh, of course, Jack Torrance, the stepfather. Yeah. Uh, they or... did do Don from Twenty Eight Weeks Later, which I thought was pretty fun too. Like I like that. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The dude from Train Spotting. Yeah, and yeah. I thought that was an interesting one. Um, Does it have the uh, the dad from um, Night of the Living Dead? No, but that's a great one. Yeah, yeah. No, it doesn't have that. It has um, uh, the woman though. You mentioned earlier has yeah. it has Chris Cleek. Um, and it, uh, kind of a fun deep cut. It's funny that they they of course say the worst father, but you almost have to laugh that they picked Daddy from the People Under the Stairs. Oh, I saw. Yeah. No, I, I like I I tried to just like like the one because basically like I pretty much thought the only one I t like the dad from the uh, Night of Living Dead because he's an asshole but then he dies because you know he thinks his daughter came back yeah you know so I'm like oh that was kind of fucked you know the Omen is a great one too you know, and then it's like I always wonder like if they hadn't gotten like Gregory Peck to be the dad if that might have been different I mean. But also, like, Gregory Peck was a really devout Catholic. But he's just, he's actively, like, trying to, like, you know, figure out what's going on. You know, it, you never get the feeling that it's like, dude, what's going on? Like, that I feel is a very, like, honest, like, if you were in that kind of situation, like, yeah, there's these fucking nannies and, like, this housekeeper, these fucking dogs, and my wife just died. What's going on here, man? You yeah. Know? I think it's an interesting one, too, because it becomes like um, he's a statesman. Yeah. He's a politician. So he has to go between the idea of I am, even though I know this isn't my child, uh -huh. I still can I really kill a child. Yeah. But more importantly, can I save the world? Because that's what I'm supposed to do as a yeah. politician. That is the father figure. That yeah. is the elder, the and it's interesting because I feel like that's something that like Gregory Peck kind of like played with throughout his career. I mean, like, fuck, I know people like for just from To Kill a Mockingbird, Gregory Peck is the ideal 
figure of a father, you know, I, and I'm sure to a certain degree when he was cast in the Omen, that was part of the reason they must have thought, oh, this is an interesting subversion. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. But he, well, he was, he was also, I mean, God, I mean, I think the only one he could have got was a uh, Ward Cleaver or something yeah, right? like, I mean, gone really into it, but I mean, like, uh, fathers knows best, the classic sitcom, again, going back to, I don't just mean to keep referencing the Norman Rockwell yeah. thing, but you well, have to realize in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, in the prime yeah. cuts of horror, that's where people were flipping well, no, the and that's script on the it. The only other one, I had like this idea because like, uh, was uh, an interesting role of a father. And it's more like just in a few scenes. But uh, Craig T. Nelson in Poltergeist 2, The Other Side. Hmm. Because, you know, in the first one, you know, they, they all get out of the house and everything. And, and it's like, you know, it's a family unit, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a scene in Poltergeist 2 where, like, he's drinking and the house is becoming possessed with Reverend Kane's energy. And he drinks that tequila bottle and swallows the worm, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then because of that, he just becomes this kind of, starts becoming this, like, abusive, like, figure, Right. And it's like, it's funny that it takes that to get him to break away from this traditional role of fatherhood. And I still think that scene where he like vomits it up and it turns into this partially like, (laughs) you know, form like, I don't know, like subversion, like evil dark side of himself with bones and everything. It's so fucking disgusting. Anyway, I thought that was... Yeah, it's kind of surprising that's not in a Stuart Gordon and or Brian used in a film or uh, Cronenberg. I mean, it's it's pretty body horn stuff. Yeah, there's. I mean, the first two Poltergeist films have a lot of fucked up shit. Yeah. There is no other way to put it. I mean, it is some very bizarre and uh, stark, deeply disturbing images. Like, I, I really think that's one of the hardest ones. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, it's like I said, you don't. Yeah, it's like it's hard because you. Like I said, you don't want to look at just everybody's list or some of the things. But it's funny just to come up with some of the ones that I um, I, I heard. It's funny from two newer films because I think it's great to bring up like the Omen, Night of Living, some classic bedrock ones. Mm-hmm. But two great ones I heard was the uh, the father and the loved ones. The father and oh Lola's, Lola's dad. dad, yeah. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, yeah. I thought that that was a really good one because I mean that's like the ultimate. Um, what would you call it? Um, uh, like my sweet sixteen. Yeah. Uh, I my whatever daddy's little girl wants, right. whatever my princess wants, she gets. That's such an underrated. Movie. It is. Oh. I recently found it on Blu-ray for like super cheap. I think I have it on Blu-ray. Yeah, but I mean, it's just yeah. one of those ones that I can't believe it's not yeah. on Blu-ray out here yet. Yeah. And it's like what it's kind of like uh how we've always talked about how long it took all the boys love Mandy Lane. Yeah. A lot of these movies just seem to take forever. But um, and then the other one. I said I'd like to take credit for these, but I mean, I just if I we we literally did this on the fly, so I, I got to pull from some other sources. But these are good sources, and one of the, the one though out of all of them that I've read so far that I thought, wow, that is not that would be the probably last one I think of, but one of the best ideas is Bill Paxton in Frailty. Oh yeah, dude, yeah. what a fucked up, like perfect, um, archetype of uh the 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 ultimate authority figure mm-hmm. like what a i mean because you think of all the i mean uh not just religious zealotry but yeah. the possessive nature of parenthood especially of fatherhood 
And it's strange because it's not. I know that's like Ruby was was like saying, oh, you should talk about parents. Yeah, well, I, I thought you were going to sneak in Mom and Dad already, too, just because I oh, know how much you, you love know, that I one. I love that movie, but, uh, you know, I, I I feel like it's a little on the nose. I want to yeah. try to do more of a, you know. Well, it's kind of like doing, um. everyone knows how much I love killer kids or kids right? being killed. But, like, Cooties isn't one I'd ever really bring up because, yeah. to me, it's too much of a, it's not even just on the nose. It just feels like one of those ones where, um kind of goes back to that short film thing you were saying yeah it's like this film could have been well, like 30 minutes I, like you know like i didn't really pull stuff from a list like i just like pulled out like uh, just like jotted stuff down but there were like a few words like you know and like the texas chainsaw remake is arlie ermy like leatherface's dad he's kind of the father figure yeah you know? you're not 100% sure who yeah. is who What's well, I mean, it's not just pulling from a list. But he's like he's he's essentially the patriarch of that yeah. movie. Well, what I'm saying is, is that you look at it's like if I were to put in the words father and whore, right? Just as general guidelines, guideposts for this kind of thing, it's like you get far reaching. It's not just oh those, yeah. He, that's a great point about Arlie Ermy because he's one of those people. Well, I mean, you could get into like just like the role of father. Then you sure. talk about like something like Father Marin and like the Exorcist. Well, yeah. Then you're really gaining into yeah. the ones. Or, uh, yeah, father and father, um, dire and father Karis. But yeah. it's um, one of those ones where um, the cobbled family, yeah. the idea of a family unit that is, um, I mean, you can really get into, obviously, most backwoods horror movies yeah. or the derivatives of them. But those are, it's an interesting idea, too, because the cook yeah. in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1 and 2 yeah. is very much the parental father individual Mm -hmm. it's usually the person who has the job has the career and again that's also what's expected of men and expected of fathers is to be the breadwinner yeah and it's and it's yeah and it's understandable and it's like you said in nightmare and the nightmare films like it really explores that well with like you know officer thompson but it's like you know one of the things that always got me is when they finally did address this and like uh is it is in Freddy's dead that you meet Freddy's dad Alice Cooper yeah Alice yes. Cooper <laughs> i mean he's just basically like this comical character right that it's just like oh look like Freddy's already like a fucking sociopath he just loves being whipped by this like asshole you know but then you find out in that movie that Freddy himself was a father you mm-hmm. know to uh uh is it God, what's that actress's name? Elisa. Wilcox? No, Wilcox is four. She's oh, um, the Alice. dark, this dark-haired yeah. actress. I can't remember her name. Zane. Yeah, Lisa Zane. That's yep. right. And it and it's like she's also gonna be at Son of Monster Blues. I oh, saw, how by the way. Yeah, but it, it's like uh, it's just really interesting because I'm like, oh, like the idea that Freddie himself could be a father seems really interesting, and I always thought that was one of the big letdowns of Freddie's Dead: The Final Nightmare. Is like, eh, hey, interesting with that idea no not really yeah they got actually some good people i mean alice cooper the look was good the guy who played the young freddy was great he really he had a great piercing stare yeah but um you know i guess too it's kind of going back though to that idea where you're talking about earlier it's like the um i think the thing too about not only just being the breadwinner Mm -hmm. and the the bastion or whatever of the home i mean some people for a lot of people consider that the mother I mean, this is traditional American nuclear family kind of ideals well, yeah, here, but that's, that's what kind most of films what horror are. plays with most of the time. Yeah. I mean, that's like one of those things that, like, 
you know, like, yeah, they have the idea of like, yeah, Alice Cooper was his father. I'm doing air quotes. Sorry. <laughs> but then if you look even starting in Nightmare on Elm Street 3, uh, you know, Freddy's doesn't have a father. He's the son of a thousand maniacs, maniacs. you know? So it's just like he's the perennial, like, evil seed, literally. The demon seed, yeah. yeah. You know, and that's, like, what's really interesting when, like, I think of something like Dexter, which, I mean, might be stretching this a little bit farther because, but it's like, that's, he's a serial killer, but he lives by his father's code, right? You know, but then when he himself becomes a father, it almost becomes this, like, bizarre joke or, like, like, oh, I got to kill somebody, but I got to buy some formula. Yeah. You know? Well, that, I mean, Dexter played a lot with dark comedy. Yeah. Which can be a lot of fun, like you said, with parents and stuff. Yeah. Um, But on the topic of what I meant earlier was just that, look, with the, these kind of things is, is that I think one other thing is that the men or men are supposed to be uh, fact-based. They're supposed to be the voice of reason. Yeah. So if a man does descend into madness or becomes uh, vicious, becomes the killer, yeah. becomes that, it's like well you can be aggressive you can be masculine or whatever but you can't be that you cannot be violent like yeah. and when you are it 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 is that's the demon see the idea of it so I, a while a while back well earlier this year i saw this movie on netflix it's called um await further instructions and uh, basically it's like this small english horror movie and it's like you know, the son is bringing his, like, it's set in England. You know, it's like the son is bringing his girlfriend to meet his father. She's, like, Indian. English. What do you call, I don't know what you would call somebody who's, like, of English and Indian descent. descent. Sure, yeah, it's, I got you. It's a very common thing. In, oh, very yeah. much, yeah. But Indian like, and Pakistani. Yeah, sure. exactly, you know. And then his father is, like, very much, like, an abusive father who looks down on Indian, Pakistani, you know, I I don't know why I'm getting stuck. I know. I get what you mean, though. Yeah. You know, but like, you know, and then he's got another son who's an asshole who's abusive to women and his wife is completely cowed because he's abusive. And then they come, they're meeting up for like, uh, you know, the equivalent, you know, a Christmas dinner or whatnot. Sure. And then something happens where they're all trapped in this house and the TV is telling them what to do. Hmm. And it's really, but basically like, what ends up happening is the daughter ends up dying because he disobeys the TV and then he starts slowly going mad. And then he like the only way he can keep hold of who's left is by reasserting his role as the father. Yeah. You know, that's a great idea for that uh, kind of arc. Yeah. That kind of development where it becomes because the typical thing would be, again, it, it started circling back is the Jack Torrance model yeah. where people really, really do feel like you said, I guess. It's not that I don't think of that instantly. Maybe it's because it's called the stepfather. That's yeah. the first thing I think of. Um, but it's just one of those those ideas where I I think that that's like I said people just will never expect that they they're like nope he'll hold it together everything yeah. will be held together he's the 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 he, he, uh, whatever it takes mm-hmm. he's gonna stand strong he's gonna hold it. it's like nope he's gonna go fucking crazy yeah he is going to lose it and um the few that and and whether it's um it, it, his own madness some supernatural or viral or whatever it may be yeah i think it's hard to make um i think it's much it's very simple to make the classic yeah. villainous father or villainous male character very difficult. Yeah. That's why it no, mentions it is. Busan. It's it is 
the most sympathetic. No, and it's just it's one of those things. Like the more you think about it, like it becomes an issue. I like fairly. It's you don't see it really in a lot of classic horror. It's a it's a theme that becomes more prevalent in like the latter half of the twentieth century. Because even if I think of something like you know Universal monsters, like I never even really think of like you know Doctor Frankenstein as the creature's father. Even in the Bride of Frankenstein, he's just like this broken man that tried to create something. But I never get the feeling that hate that either he or dr prometheus like feel any like th- these are my children kind of thing you know oh pretorius yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. dr pretorius Rinder, yeah yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean. I know what you mean yeah yeah, yeah. but it is a modern prometheus yes, yes. So you're in the right right wheelhouse there you there. go that's where yeah. i made the slip but yeah. yeah it's it's just weird that but i feel now anytime you see something like um that movie splice mm-hmm. like clear which is another example of more modern you know i mean for god's sake uh Sir Polly's character's name is Elsa, and uh, Adrian Brody like literally sees that cre- they see that creature as their child. So when he fucks it, he feels guilty, like he not only like cheated on his wife, he fucked his child. Yeah. You know, that's a creepy ass movie, but it's a good movie, I think. Sure, you know, but it's another one of those like she refers to him as father. You know, yeah. it's it's that just popped in my brain just now, weirdly enough. But yeah, I mean, no, it, no, it's a, well, I brought it up earlier too yeah, yeah. when we were talking about, uh, assimilate. Yeah. But it was also, I mean, it's just the idea too. You're right though. You can really go off into the radical direction. I guess in the end, what I feel with like the father thing is it's, um, I, I without being super sociopolitical, of course, about yeah. anything, but I do feel that, um, it's an interesting archetype, arch- archetype, but I think it's, you know, um, it's rare that. You know, you we live in a society where it's kind of like the deadbeat dad, yeah. the the absentee father, the the career oriented man. Um, you know, it, it, we obviously there's domestic violence, there is um things, but I mean, also men have a lot of issues that aren't really um discussed because of for whatever reasons, and people can look at it in different ways. But I think a big part of it is is that um, some people go, well, there is no role for the father. And yeah. so there's some men who truly feel that way, like, or they can never find their role. Like you were talking about earlier on some of those characters where the the man just simply can't figure out, like, either because he doesn't want to be like a Jack Torrance, yeah. because he has different aspirations or ideals, or because he simply, it it's like a day-to-day struggle, or the the overwhelming, overarching theme of his life where he's like, well... I'm not any of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be something else. And yeah. a lot of times that's, of course, the idea of uh, an evil uh, yeah. or, a, you know, uh, whatever it is. The monster. The yeah. monster in the film is the man. Yeah. And that's where I think it's something that's funny that I never think about it really a huge amount. That almost all of them, the men in films are monsters. There's very few heroes. It's not an action adventure. It's yeah. not a... Um, there's no Indiana Jones or, uh, you know, the very uh, heroic types of old, uh, a Robin Hood, uh, whatever person you consider, Zorro, yeah. you know, that very antiquated yeah. golden era of Hollywood no, kind of thing. they things. always are. And it's, and it's like weird because, again, like, you know, the more you think about even the idea of just like, honestly, the most recent movie I can think of, like horror movie where like i mean it has a father as a monster to is is it trick or treat 
Yeah, the father is yeah. a yeah, yeah. killer, serial yeah. killer. Yeah, that's the last one I can think of. I mean, really, it's a topic that I feel like it's ripe for mining, and it's like sure, not really that much. Well, like I said, it kind of goes back and stuff. I mean, um, but that's like a father son story. I'm saying it is. Yeah. Oh yeah, it is. Well, there's just not many. I mean, there's those kinds of things, or um, usually in those, a lot of times it's a paranormal yeah. thing. It's their vampires or werewolves yeah. or some other creature and that's oh, yeah, why like, they also like in the lost boys with max and the... sure yeah yeah because that's um another way in which it oh yeah sorry i'd like yeah, yeah no i got you I yeah got... i was like i didn't even think about that but yeah, yeah that's the entire point of that movie boys need a mother mm-hmm. <laughs> well that's the other way yeah. they look at it, is that there are that's it's funny that's probably one of max's you know for all his his evil and his and elemental um issues is that at the same time that that's the thing i think when people address issues that men experience i mean in the real world Mm -hmm. and even thematically in film and stuff is is that um i think people go well it's anti-woman or something like that and i go i don't think it is i think it's just exploring a different ideas and some of which is is that it is the necessary um component not the feminine mystique but the feminine um energy and influence it's it's that that it's a critical component and um and because not everyone has a great father, not everybody also has a great mother, which plays well for um, excellent horror and drama. Yeah. Another, um, not just no more wire hangers, but uh, right. like anything. I mean, we could, we could do that as another episode. But that's where I was, why I um, preface kind of with the Annie Wilkes kind of thing. Yeah. That it's very difficult to make um, an imposing, frightening female um, yeah. uh, monster. Whereas it's very without being supernatural yeah. or almost borderline cartoonish. No, but like this human monster that already sort of like because the role of the father has so much baggage. It to does, it. yeah. Well, and and with uh, well, and that's another. I mean, that is the quick trope or pitfall of yeah. women too, or they become if they're the monster, they're the hypersexualized being. Yeah, the virgin whore dynamic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it keeps going on, but I think in um, you know. Like we started with Creep Show, like the Father's Day. I mean, that's the most like uh, uh, stereotypical. You know, it's I mean, it's a simple EC style. Yeah, the monster. Well, I mean, are we talking about the father and the, the framing? The, the father and the Joe framing. Hill's the father. Tom, yeah, yeah, the Tom Hatkins. Yeah, and the first tale of the yeah. the, the Nathan Bedelia's. Yeah, Bedelia. Yeah, yeah, but it's just it's um that's also of course about um. You know, uh, it's a simple story of, of uh, the classic greed and that children have with yeah. I want your inheritance. I want whatever I want. Or that father was the worst father, but we will enjoy um, the fruits of his labor. Yeah. And that's why he takes revenge. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it, from beyond the grave. It's it's very simple, but it's also a little bit more. Um, there's some meat on those bones, yeah. like on those, those uh, aged uh, decaying bones. There's still <laughs> something there. Um, I think that that's what all the stories in Creepshow have. Yeah. Which is also kind of funny that they are all, um, even if it's not fathers, they're all male-based. But yeah. it, generally, it's like uh, there are women in them. But it's um, in, uh, you know, Jordy Verrill is the uh, is the bumbling buffoon mm-hmm. individual, the, the, the mentally challenged kind of man, the bumpkin. Yeah. Um, which is played for laughs, generally. Yeah. But then you have the... Uh, uh, the the husband the leslie nielsen, nielsen and the ted danson as the 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 younger um uh gadabout and then mm-hmm. it becomes that that schism where men go you know i'm i'm replaced 
Yeah. So it's funny. I I really never thought about the creep show. And then you have the nagging wife of the Adrian Barbeau, the Billy. Yeah. With Hal Holbrook being the absolutely abused husband. Yeah. Well, it plays on, like, all these tropes, which are, like, you know, pretty common in, like, comics, you know, for telling these sort of, like, yeah. pulp stories. I mean, fuck, I'm not going to get into, like... Oh, no, I no, just, no, no, it's no, just no, funny. No, I've never no, thought oh, how no. well they all tie together. No, they do. And it's like, a theme. In that respect. Because, yeah, I mean, like, you know, that whole idea of, like, you know, the cuckolded man and it, can he still be a man in this world? How will he, you know, like, I mean, fuck, that was, that, that was, like, the, the whole, uh early seasons of the walking dead right there yeah. you know like the role of a man and a father in the sure. place where he's been usurped that's as far as i'm going to get into the walking dead no i know <laughs> well even even <laughs> capping it out on creep show with upston pratt being yeah. the, the the emperor the the lord of his manor and yeah. even he is upstaged by another man yeah because of his failings of his evil he is a monstrous he is an insect yeah and even though he considers himself top of the food chain yeah. he's an apex predator but he's not he's he not. is he is the lowest of low but I, it's just interesting that that's a a good way to to come about with that with yeah. starting with creep show and the fun part of father's day and but it actually really has a lot deeper roots i feel like this was like a very uh what do you call it it feels like a very definitive examination of the role of father like more so than i yeah. thought we would get into. same with me i thought we yeah. were gonna do something a little bit more surface yeah. and we went full community college class so <laughs> hey, it, it worked out well guys if you're listening to this podcast you know you're gonna get intelligent discourse on horror anyway so it's that not like are. we're gonna go oh my god you guys the baby mood it was a ghost <laughs> anyway we hope you enjoy the we're initial- not gonna be doing episode two now <laughs> <laughs> I I trust our audiences, like you know, beyond that point, you know. No, but I think it is it is cerebral and stuff, and it is uh, an examination that's important for n- numerous reasons. I think, like I said, I think we both thought this would be a little bit more surface, but that's good, and I hope uh, this is where we're going to continue to go with it. And um, um, you know, if you have um, you know, uh, examples or ideas and stuff that you want to mm-hmm. elaborate on. When we post this up, I'd, I'd really like to hear some people. Because like I said, even just a cursory examination online, I was pretty fascinated. And yeah. some of the ones we both mentioned that kind of just spring out of when you start talking about it. You're like, right. wow, that's another one I didn't even think of. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. We'll, we'll put I will post this on SoundCloud and on YouTube and see how it goes. Sounds good. Yep. But uh, we hope you enjoyed the first uh, episode, Journey into Horror Cult. Uh, join us next time in a couple of weeks and whatnot. Let's, and we'll probably do one, I guess, before Mad Monster, I suppose. I hope so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, until then, you know you know what we're up to. You can always find us at cultfollowing.co. Uh, check the site out. We'll have some uh, giveaways for uh, tickets to go see uh, Annabelle Comes Home this weekend. We've got a lot of reviews up right now. Um, and as always, follow us on Instagram at cultfollowing.co yeah look at that instagram let us keep our uh, url is our tag so uh yeah until next time this is Victor Brennan along with uh Kirby nelson i finally got my cake until next time stay scary <laughs> <laughs>